There is a significant transfer of wealth from baby boomers to their heirs and younger generations already underway and is expected to continue over the coming years. Baby boomers who were born between 1946 and 1964 are one of the wealthiest generations in history. As they age, many are starting to transfer their assets and wealth to their children and grandchildren through inheritance, trusts, and other forms of financial planning. Now, there was a report done in 2014 by the consulting firm Accenture, and just in the US alone, right, they're talking about a $30 trillion asset transfer over the next few decades. Wild. This wealth transfer is expected to have significant implications for the economy and our society as a whole. It could lead to an increase in philanthropy and charitable giving, as well as changes in investment patterns and consumer behavior. It could also exacerbate existing wealth disparities, and those who inherit wealth are likely to be better off than those who don't. It's important to note that not all baby boomers have significant assets or will be able to transfer their wealth to their heirs. Additionally, some baby boomers may choose to spend down their assets in retirement rather than leaving an inheritance. What are you gonna do? Are you gonna transfer your money to heirs or are you gonna spend it, baby? Now, the transfer of wealth is very complex and multifaceted and the full impact is yet to be seen. But today, one of the questions we are talking about is someone who has inherited a property and what did they do with that? So we're going to talk about that. So all this stuff is going to be happening more and more and more and it's a cool topic to chat about. Now, Sharesies, thank you so much Sharesies for getting behind the support of my millennial money. With the Sharesies app, you can invest the way you like and grow your wealth over the long term. Choose from over 8,000 companies and exchange traded funds on the AU, US and NZ share markets, invest in the things that you value. Now, this is the cool thing. You can get $10 added to your account, ready to invest when you sign up to the Sharesies platform using the exclusive promo code MMM. All investing involves risks, T's and C's and fees apply. Thank you to Sharesies for getting behind my millennial money. And before we get into it, I don't do this much, but I wanted to just jump in and say that there is a question in this episode about an anonymous Facebook member being overpaid. I had a fair chunk of a rant, if I'm being honest, and I was in a bit of a mood, you might be able to tell, but I was a little bit confused because there was more to the story and you'll hear that I harp on about, you need to know, you need to know, you need to know, but my curiosity took me a little bit further. So I actually emailed the questioner and found out just a little bit more uh, for my information The questioner was getting overtime payments randomly and that's why they didn't notice that they were being underpaid and and all that stuff. So a bit of a correction there. Um, And this is hard because sometimes we just don't know all the information. We just, you know, make stuff up and all that stuff, which is cool. But yeah, I just wanted to do that and chat with the questioner. And there's another one in here from Beck. I actually sent Beck a recording of the snippet before it was edited up uh, because, again, I was a little bit in a mood uh, about consumer debt. And it's really important to me that, you know, people write legitimate questions in the Facebook group and want legitimate answers and help. And we use a lot of the stuff in the Facebook group for podcast content. And, you know, we are also making a little bit of entertainment here. So sometimes I turn it up a little bit. And yeah, I just want everyone to know the anonymous one about pay and Beck about the consumer debt. I've emailed both people. They're chill. I've sent them both a journal, as you'll hear in the episode, because I did feel a bit that I was going a bit too hard on them. But yeah, I just wanted to jump on and say I've chatted with both of them and it's all Gucci. 
I'm Glenn James, and this is My Millennial Money. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. So, John, what are you going to do with your wealth when you and Amy check out? Spend it all before you die or give some to the kids? It's a good question, isn't it? I think a lot depends on how much you've got to give out, how mm. much you've got to share around with, uh, like, not only the kids, but you'd like to share it with all the closest family members and, and maybe even friends if you've got enough of it. That That's what we've always spoken about. But um, I suppose, first of all, I'm not someone that's going to spend it all and take it to my grave and, and just give none to the kids. I'd like to think that there'd be a component that we'd have for them to, to set them up both short-term but also long-term. So when they turn maybe 18 or 21, uh, we've educated them, number one, but number two, that they've got something to be able to go and invest with. That would be the first starting point. And then anything from there is a bonus. Well, there you have it, everyone. That's what uh, John is going to do. Now, I guess trailing on from that uh, comment, kind of leading us into this privilege discussion, there was a comment in the group, and I just thought we'd talk about it because, you know, rising interest rates. A couple of weeks ago, we did that episode about what to do, what not to do rather, when interest rates are rising. But a lot of people are feeling the pinch you know, just a couple of weeks ago, we had another interest rate rise. Cecilia said, I know I'm in a pretty privileged position, so I'm also aware I'm going to risk sounding like an hat in this, but is anyone regretting racking up such a huge mortgage? My partner and I always wanted to be financially free and have been delusioned into thinking the answer to that is to buy property. Between us, we own four properties, three investment properties and one principal place of residence. That's a lot of debt. After mortgage repayments and bills come out, I don't have a lot of money left to do much else. Everyone always says, oh, but you'll be set for the future, which I totally get, but I also feel like I'm missing out on life because I'm spending my prime years pumping most of our money into this mortgage. Find myself wondering if this was the right path to go down, you know? I know selling is an option, but at this stage, we'd be losing money if we did that. I don't really want advice, just wanted to see if anyone else feels the same. I mean, there's a lot there, John. It's kind of the same, like I've always said, I've seen people that are earning 400 grand a year or more, like legitimately was a client of mine, top four law firm, they had a 50 grand credit card debt that they couldn't shake. Now that is no different to the emotional feeling day in, day out than someone who's on $60,000 a year with a $2,000 credit card debt that they just can't shake. So what do you take of this? I mean, we can step back and look at, you know, before you go down this road of, you know, buying property like you're playing Monopoly, you do have to do some type of projections or, you know, you talk about buffers, but yeah, what are you seeing out there in property land with these people that are racked up these properties and now are feeling the pinch? Yeah. There's a few different parts to this that I want to comment on. First of all, 
Cecilia's coming in saying, yep, she knows that maybe she's in the top 1% of the country having four, four properties. So that, that's the first thing we need to acknowledge. And, and she's, she's grateful for that, but she's obviously worked hard to get where she is. Should we get um, Nathan to overlay the Crimea River? song. We'll see if you can do a 10 second, well, five second. When you're in the top 1% of anything, you've got to make sacrifices, don't you, to get there. Mm. So she's she's done that, but she's feeling as though maybe she's still having to make sacrifices while she's already there. Um, part of it also mentions- Yeah, but you need she, to be in a position to be able to make those sacrifices. Yeah, but when, well, I'm just not talking property or money. I'm saying- sure. If like you're athletes. Top, yeah, like if you're a top 1% athlete, you're not going out on a Friday night. You're not catching up with friends as much as you would. You, to get to that 1%, there's got to be some give and take, doesn't there? Yeah, but I think I'm just saying like if I've got, um, I'll make a disease up. I've got the X disease and yeah. it just means I, or I've got a bung heart. I can't be a performance athlete. Well, that's out of my control to start with. So I can't make any sacrifice to be an athlete. Yeah. <laughs> all, I'm just, <laughs> all I'm saying is, you know, there's a lot of privilege in these chats. And, you know, Cecilia totally. has ultimately said that. that. And yeah. we're not giving her advice because she hasn't asked for advice. No. We're just talking about this. Okay. So Cecilia's position is, well, uh, she mentions there that if she sold the property, she would have made a loss. Mm. So there's, and obviously once you've bought the property, it's too late, but uh, understanding what the long-term outcome is and doing the research around your cash flow situation to ensure that you've, you mentioned the word buffers, you've always got the buffers, but you're also allocating for your lifestyle because you, you shouldn't be having a property portfolio that's controlling you. You should be controlling it. Easier to say from afar. Uh, but Cecilia, I don't think you're on your own for those people that have got three or four properties. And Emily and I spoke about those early days of building a property portfolio where you feel as though you're not getting anywhere. You just, all you're doing is money going out with deposits and holding costs and everything else and not seeing really the fruits of your labor. And it might not be for eight or 10 years um, until you see, oh, hang on a minute, my property's just gone up 300,000 fantastic. Now I can see the light at the end of the tunnel. So she's maybe going through that phase. And if she cuts it short now, she may regret uh, the long term of, um, of, of selling now. But it's the catch 22 when it comes to property, particularly in Australia, like you can be asset rich and cash poor. Yes. But the thing that speaks about this to me is that, you know, if she sold now, she'd be losing money. Like it was purchased within the last year. So the value hasn't moved and the stamp duty that we've paid and any closing costs, that's literally a hole. Or it's been a dog and hasn't gone anywhere. It's just gone sideways or it was a bad purchase to start with. And all this stuff speaks to the quality of the asset yes. with any asset that you buy. Totally. And, and there are a lot of dogs out there. There are a lot of properties that do not perform uh, for various reasons. And again, uh, beginner mistakes are made. Now, not saying Cecilia's made one of those, but don't know the situation. Uh, just understanding, well, worst case scenario, if this property doesn't go up in value, can I still hold it for a long period of time? And I'm guessing what she's feeling at the moment is, well, no, I can't because it's it's uh, running my life for me at the minute. Well, I'm going to give some not advice to the Cecilia's out there. A lot of this stuff that we feel when things happen, like we feel the emotion of it, we feel the pain of it. 
sometimes when we feel things in our financial life, it's because we don't have a clear indication of the data and the actual figures. And we don't ever want to make financial decisions out of fear. And that is selling now because we're in a pinch where it feels tight. But if we do the data and look at all that, it's not that bad. It's just a bit tight and it feels tight. Or the spending and cash flow system is sloppy. You know, because things are sloppy and you don't know where things are going, making you fear. So you want to just cut it and get rid of it where, you know, it might be a good thing for Cecilia. And we'll put a link in the show notes to your, you still do that property, what bloody spreadsheet thing? Talk to us about that. The analyzer oh. calculator. <laughs> I don't know what you freaking do with all your stuff. Property analyzer calculator. Yeah. So yeah, put a link in there up to five properties, gives a summary, gives individual analysis of before because, tax, after tax. And it could be just either, you know, having a review of the portfolio Yeah. and I don't know what the the debt is, like whether it's all P&I, whether it's interest only. I'm by no means saying, you know, the, the commenter in the Facebook group is a a dummy and he's not over their numbers. I'm also making um, entertainment here, but we just need to know the numbers and make sure that we're not doing anything out of fear. I'm going to put it out there, Cecilia, if you're listening to this answer, I'm going to give you a 15 minute uh, free consult to explain your case. And I'm just interested to see what's in the portfolio uh, because the last thing we want to do is make short-term emotional decisions when we can't see the trees for the woods. There you go. Now, talking about the cost of living, am I right, guys? Am I right? Yes, I am. It's wild out there. Dean said this, and this it blew me away. Inflation hitting my Anytime Fitness membership fees just increased. Get this, everyone. It's flipping nuts. From $65 a month to $112 per month, 72% increase overnight going to go have a chat with them about reasonable increases in charges because that's just taking the piss. You're in the health fitness world and all that crap. Like I wouldn't suspect that you would be paying more than $90 a month in this climate for a gym membership. Would you? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Somewhere like Anytime Fitness. Yeah, absolutely. You would be. It's a massive rise, but I think it's a wild world out there in fitness land and, and it's just dog eat dog in terms of it's it's transient. So people jump from one membership to the next mm. and have free trials and then take off to another. There's no loyalty, mm. um, which does frustrate gym owners. But yeah, it's, it's dog eat dog and whew, that's a big jump. And, you know, a lot of these type of places, they might be recouping their COVID losses now. Yeah, because the 65 per month probably actually does seem in some cases on the light side. So Yeah, and that's yeah. what, in my mind, I had like 80 to 90 as a gym membership. Yeah. Unless he was there for a million years and it was he was on some legacy plan and they're finally like, all right, sorry, guys, we've got to bring you back into 2023. I'm not sure. I just thought it was an interesting thing. But speaking of the cost of living, I asked everyone in the Facebook group the other week, what percentage of net after-tax household income do you think you're spending on your weekly grocery bill? Hmm. So talking Woolworths, Coles, Aldi, IGA, not including booze and takeaway, because I was talking with an ABC journo and I did a bit for the ABC and they wanted to know, John, like, oh, what should people be spending on what? And I'm like, well, it's hard to say because you can spend whatever you want on whatever you want. But 
46% of you in the Facebook group, and it was 47% on Instagram because I put it up there as well, spend about 10% of your net household income, that's after tax, each week on groceries. So that could be a, you know, and there was someone in the group that said, John, I've got teenage boys, so I spend 150%. <laughs> well, I think uh, a while back there was some dollar figures uh, bandied around, wasn't it? And mm. and the the dollars were amazing. Like we we as a family of five, we're and a dog, we're probably up around that four to five hundred a week. Uh, but telling everyone your annual income, what percentage is that? <laughs> I don't know what that percentage is. <laughs> Amy, Amy does the pays. <laughs> right. Okay. So John's spending about one percent. Everyone. <laughs> no, um, no, no. But like it's. Uh, yeah, it, 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 the cost of living is is extremely high. I would say majority of clients that I'm working with on on cash flow management, ten percent is is probably about right from mm. what I'm seeing. Yeah, but that's just a guide, everyone. Like, you know, if we think of housing and accommodation, we think of food, we think of transportation. Like, if we're just wanting to get some type of rocks and guidelines, what if you said we need to keep food? under 15%. Yeah. We need to keep housing and accommodation and it's so wild at the moment, you know, under 30%, that's half you pay mm. in like food and rent. Yeah. So I don't know. I just think it's good and I'll, I'll do some social media like posts about it and because I don't think it's anyone's business to say, oh, you should spend this on that. But, you know, there's people there spending over 20% a week and that's why percentages are good, aren't they? You can really just carve it off and just say, this is how much we're spending. Yeah. And because it really doesn't matter like week on week what you're buying. But if you have a target of, and this isn't the Glen James spending plan, but what if you said, I'm setting up my bank account. So I've got one bank account that is just for groceries. And every week I'm transferring 10% of our take-home income into that account and that's just the Woolworths account. That's just the Coles, not including piss and takeaways and ciggies <laughs> and all that stuff. And then it will just ebb and flow. So because in this climate with the rising cost of living, we have to pay more attention to everything. Absolutely. Whether it's your gym membership or what you're spending at the supermarket. What I've done to really cap what I'm spending at the supermarkets at the moment is I've downloaded the Woolworths app. I've paid hundred, I think it's one hundred and forty, one hundred fifty dollars for the year, and that gives me unlimited free delivery. That's so it. What, yeah. So I've kind of decided I'm never stepping inside Woolworths again because I hate going there. Yeah. And I can pretty much, when I need a shop, lay on my lounge, order my stuff, and because I'm in you know Newcastle, it will come that afternoon. Yeah. It's pretty handy and you, and you don't go and, and over. And I do don't it. go over because then I can go to my cart and click check out. Like the other day I did an order, $200. Now that was a little bit higher because I, you know, the frigging finished tablets for the dishwasher that you buy once every six months, they're $800 a tablet and you only buy them at half price. You know, I had to buy they some. They are, aren't they? I had to buy some of that preen that you buy once every year, spray that makes your stains come out of your clothes. And <laughs> What have you got stains for? <laughs> yeah, but I mean, so I don't know, maybe you do something where it's this in this climate, I've just got a dedicated bank account that is for Woolworths or for Aldi and I, it will ebb and flow. And 
We just took out Woolworths insurance to get 10% off our groceries every month. Yeah, wow. So there's stuff out there. And I mean, what I have decided when the Uber driver or the Woolworths people come with my six pears and four apples and all that, they're just all trashed. And so I'm like, all right, I'll go to Harris Farm, buy my fresh produce and milk from there once a week. I'm happy to go there. That's fine. Get my nice milk, Jersey cow milk or whatever. But I'm just, I'm just making this thing. I'm never going to Woolworths again. Fair enough. But I can keep track of my spending with the, um, with the Woolworths app. And I'm sure they've all got the apps. Um, Aldi, I, I found an Aldi that was down the road from me in Newcastle West the other day. I didn't know that was there. I might even hit that up. Yeah. So, Woolworths have had a good plug today. Yeah, we'll, we'll balance it out. Go to Coles and Aldi and IGA, everyone. All right, far out. Time flies when you're having fun, John, and even when you're not. Let's, what did you, do you want to talk about this inheritance thing since we talked about it at the top of the episode? Yeah, so before that, though, do you, do you want to finish off on that, what Dean Rand should actually do? I don't know. Yeah, sure. I don't have an answer for it. I'm just reading it because it was a bit wild. Yeah, so let, let's wheel back around. Dean's situation where his membership's gone from 65 to 112, like, what are you doing in that situation? Like, I, I, I'm probably not going in and saying, well, this is unfair, give me a reduction. I, I just probably quit. I'd just go somewhere else or train myself or do something. Yeah, so you my – are you asking me what am I doing or is that Yeah, rhetorical? what are you doing? Well, one, not going to the gym. <laughs> <laughs> I hate the gym. So if you were Dean and you loved the gym and you had your locker on and your, and your um, gym bag and your Reebok pumps, like, what would you be doing? All right, so I know anytime fitness, they're a big chain. It's not going to be a country town with three people, so they're not the only gym in the area, no. like number one. Number two, I'm just pricing the market, just getting seeing what's – hey, every gym might be $105, Every gym might be $98 a month. Now, and this is the thing with um, market forces, everyone. There comes, and we talked about it in the career book, Sort Your Career Out, what a plug. With market forces, right, if every other gym is charging $100 a month, right, Dean could make the view that I love the location, the parking's easy, it's not ever too busy. I know it's a bit more than the three gyms down the road, but I can survive it. That's I'm paying for that little bit of convenience. I'm paying for that little premium. Now, if every gym was $110 a month, right? And his gym said, hey, we're now charging $200 a month. The amount of convenient parking and it's not that busy in the world isn't going to keep you there. So it's that dance between, you know, when you're shopping for a car, do you want the Toyota, Mazda, Honda, all basically the same price? Mm. Or do you want a, a BMW or Merc? Yeah. Like, so I think it's just you're paying a Merc because there's extra features. It's more money, but it's yeah. still a car. And I, I don't know. I think Dean's just got to um, do, the, do the research and make a judgment call. Yeah. And, and like any gym, for, for its model to work, you, you can't have, if all members were there at the one time, it would, no, no one would fit in there, right? So, but if, if they go five times a week, that's 20 times a month. Um, that's at at 112 per month. That's like less than six dollars or something, isn't it, per session? So it's still actually quite reasonable compared to a personal trainer. But it it really depends on what you want to get out of that gym, and as you said, convenience and parking and all those things. So yeah, I wouldn't hissy fit. I'd just maybe decide with my feet. Well, it's just a tipping point, really. At what point? Like I, 
when I get my car serviced. Uh, my mechanic at Long Jetty, Glenn Hall, what up? Um, he's always serviced my car for the last you know million years. If he said, oh, I'm increasing my rates. So instead of servicing the Lexus for, I'll make a number up, $280 or $300. And if he said, oh, hey, Glenn, it's now $350 to service your Lexus. It's a $50 increase. I'm like, yeah, sweet, small business. I got the money, all good. He turned around and said, oh, hey, Glenn, it's now $600. I don't care how nice of a guy he is, I'm going elsewhere. Moving, <laughs> so yeah, that's right. it's just that judgment call. Um, that's all it is. Yep. Look, let's take a quick break. We've got to pay the light bills. We'll come back. We'll mix it up. We'll get straight into this inheritance thing. Then we'll go into the community segment of the week. We'll be back. If you're after personal financial advice, don't get it from a podcast. If you would like help based on your own personal situation, head over to sortyourmoneyout.com. Click get help and we'd be happy to introduce you to one of our trusted advisors. Our panel of advisors, mortgage brokers and accountants work with clients all over Australia so they can connect with you wherever you are. That's sortyourmoneyout.com and click get help. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad. And I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Rightio. So Jane put in the Facebook group, I need advice if possible. I'm an executor in my father's estate, rural Victoria, the house. It isn't selling and costing money to constantly maintain gardens. So with my family members, we have decided to rent it out. Do we need a financial advisor or can we do it with an accountant? How will the income gained from it affect us? Hope this makes sense. None of us have ever had an investment property, so don't know how or where to start. So firstly, Jane, apologies uh, to you and your family for your loss. Secondly, what do you take of this face value, John? Some parts of this says, well, we've been left a business. We're taking over a business that we've never run before, i.e. property. Other part says, well, okay, can we get our head around this and do some research and talk to a lot of people who have done it and, and say, right, oh, what are the logistics of it and how, how we actually go about actually running this? Um, because ultimately you've got two choices. You either sell it or you continue on running it as it is, right, with multiple parties, which can become complicated. So first of all, Jane, I would say, look at the family situation and say, can you go in business with your other family members? That would be the first part. And if you're sitting there straight away saying, hell no, then you've already made up your mind. 
So I actually asked her a little bit more on the post. And this is why I said, you need to stop right now and call your lawyer that's settling and, you know, finalizing the estate because it's obviously been through probate. Yeah. And basically probate, everyone is, if you've got real property, it has to go to court to make sure the the will is approved and um, accurate and all that stuff. So it's kind of like the rubber stamp that we're all good to go. She said the property is already in her name. So it's like that part of the estate has settled. That's why I don't want to get into the weeds of um, this particular case, but all I would say, if it is already in your name, Jane, that's your property. So if the deed on the property, you own it outright, the rates for the council have Jane with the address, that's your property and it's too late now to be distributing it to your siblings. So just on the whole got a property, it's giving us the shits because the the gardens Mm. need to be maintained. And it's not selling. Yeah. We've got to look at the performance of similar properties in the area. What is is it? Is it a good-sized block of land? Is it three bedrooms and and is it in good condition? And could we sit on it for the next 10 years and is it costing us anything to hold? Because we can easily pay a handyman $100 a month to look after the gardens or whatever it costs, right? We don't necessarily need to rush straight into selling the property. So I think renting it out gives you a bit of breathing space, doesn't it? Yeah, I like to go back and think... Number one, it's not selling, so it's priced too high. That's basically only the only reason a property wouldn't sell. Is that correct? Well, unless it's just dressed up as a pig and everyone knows it's a pig. Yeah. So like it's busy not- busy road or major slope or- Yeah. So either it's literally not selling because it's too high of a price. So does that mean that area, <laughs> are there tenants that will rent it? Who knows? Yeah. But what I would, I would go back to kind of what John was saying was the biggest mistake that people make, they wake up and they're all of a sudden in business with people that they wouldn't otherwise be in business with. So regional Victoria, would I be right to say, John, 300 grand could be a good example? Yeah, depending on our rural, could yeah. well be three to yeah. 400. Yeah. So for simplicity, Jane, would you, if you and your, we'll just call it two siblings, the three of you each had $100,000 cash in your bank account, would you together over a coffee say, let's buy a house in regional Victoria? And I'm, I know I'm moving the emotional tie to dad and all that. That's a whole other thing you've got to work through. But if the answer is no, we wouldn't put a hundred grand cash in each or we wouldn't borrow 80 grand each to put money into a house in regional Victoria, the house actually just needs to be sold, particularly in the medium term. Yeah, okay. Just just on that though, what if you said, well, okay, this fell on our lap. We've got to look at it to see if it's a worthwhile investment to hold for the future though, before you decide, well, we wouldn't have bought this if we had the choice. So let's just sell it. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I would still say, like, because everything's always good with when you've got business partners, when things are making money and everyone's life is stable. Yeah. And like any joint venture at the start, and hopefully Jane's done this. They've sat down and said, right, this is the long-term outcome. This house isn't selling, so we're renting it out and we're going to reassess in 12 months. And then at that point, we can say who's in, who's out. If someone wants to keep it, they can buy us out. If not, we either all decide to hold it or all sell it. Mm. Yeah. 
I think you need to have those consistent conversations, don't you? Yeah. So usually what happens is, and I know it's in New South Wales and correct me if I'm wrong, but if you inherit a house that's getting transferred into your name, there's no stamp duty. There's like a $50 fee or something like that to stamp the property over. And the cost base that starts with you because there's no inheritance tax um, starts at the price that it's worth when you get the property. So if they inherit the house, $300,000, the day that they get it, it's worth $300,000. If it increases to $350,000 next year, the gain on that property for capital gains tax is $50,000. Now, when it comes to income, Jane, if you and the three of you own that property and it produces, I'll keep it really simple, $10,000 a year in rent. And if it was in each other's name, in your tax return, it would state the percentage that you own. And there'll be a column there that says the total rent received, and we'll just call it $10,000. Your percentage, 33%, and 33% or $3,300 would be attributed to your tax return as income. And likewise, the, how the split works with expenses. Anything else to add on that, John? I mean, I, I honestly think if she already has the property and she is the sole person on the title, the horse is bolted and there may need to be some estate equalization because it's all got to do with what's in the will. If there's two other siblings and there was a $900,000 estate and the will said equally to each, there's 600 grand cash laying around well, the other two just need to take 300 grand each. Yeah. Sounds I mean, like we have no details here, everyone, so no. we're just kind of making <laughs> we're just entertainment. hypothesizing. It sounds like they've all got a vested interest in this house in some way, shape or form, regardless of who's on the title. Um, so that just needs to be clarified, number one. But, yeah, I just wouldn't rush into making uh, really quick decisions emotionally because it could be a windfall for you if you all get along and everyone's on the same page from the beginning. But we need to... F- Sort that out first. Yeah, totally. All right, let's bounce into the community segment of the week. So the community segment of the week, we ask the Facebook group a heap of questions randomly. We collate all those responses and we read them out on the podcast. This episode is brought to you by Sky Wealth. Make sure you contact sky.com.au forward slash MMM to get your income insurance and your life insurance sorted. I'm not going to tell you again, don't die without getting life insurance, particularly if you've got kids, a mortgage, dependents, all that stuff, sky.com.au forward slash MMM. Phil and the team will be more than happy to have a 15 minute complimentary conversation just to explain the process in a little bit more detail. What did you cancel or stop buying to save money? Well, I think Dino told his gym <laughs> to shove it up their ass. <laughs> yeah, he's changing or cutting out something, that's for sure. Yeah. Trish says, mindset change, want versus need. It's always a popular Ooh. one, isn't it? Mm. Ashley got rid of Wi-Fi altogether and got the right phone plans at the right time. We just hotspot our TV and iPad. Only cost us $100 a month, including unlimited talk and text for two phones. That's pretty cool. Oh, I'm just never, ever... I mean, good on you, Ashley. <laughs> yeah. I'm just never tethering all the shat in my house. Yeah, well, you've probably got too much. But I, I was in Melbourne yesterday and I hotspotted because the hotel room just had crap Wi-Fi. So, yeah. 
Yeah, at least you get a bit of consistency there. Mm. Slam Dunk says, quit alcohol outside of the outrageous bar prices. Yeah, I hear you. There's the Ubers and Uber Eats that come with it. Basically saved the deposit for my first property going sober for 12 months. Completely reset my relationship with booze afterwards. Jeez. That's <laughs> what you're frigging drinking. Yes. It's a well, I guess deposit. the Uber and all that stuff, yeah. It all adds up, doesn't it? Nikita, yoga classes in Melbourne. She stopped that. I support an Indian yoga teacher who teaches them through Zoom since COVID and costs ridiculously less for a very authentic training. No frills or colonized yoga. This money now goes towards health insurance that partly covers basic dental for regular checkups. Yeah, that's cool. Colonized yoga, is that? I think that's just a derivative of a non-Indian person teaching it, I guess. I think so. Kishore. Not cutting out pleasures and fun for sure. I could be dead tomorrow with a million bucks. What's the point? I review fixed costs annually. That's good. Cat Cat, Adobe Suite subscription, student discount. I wasn't using it enough to justify the monthly cost, but it gets frustrating when I want to use it every now and then for my designs. I believe in the past you used to pay once for the initial download. Yes, I remember those times. Frustrating. Totally. Tori said, I do my own nails now and stopped getting lashes. I couldn't believe how much they add up. That's right, people. That's Victoria Devine, everyone, from She's on the Monet She's in our Facebook group lurching. It's amazing how much that stuff costs. Outrageous. Yeah. And we'll finish with Maisie. Cancelled all subscriptions apart from Netflix. Stopped getting my nails done. Limited to takeaway once a week to try and pick up instead of delivery. Biggest cost, time and wastage saver has been I get meal subscription boxes like HelloFresh, Marley, Spoon, etc. I rotate through all the services. Once the discount runs out, I then go to the next one with a discount and continue this rotation until they want me back and send me another discount. Have you guys cut anything out lately? Uh, what have we cut out? We've, we've definitely reined in or, or just kept a, a closer eye on what, what's happening at Woolworths, that's for sure. And, mm. and it's amazing how much difference it does make um, when you've got, as I said, five in your family. Yeah, um, I actually, the subscription thing, like I was on my Apple TV yesterday and I'm like, oh, Stan, I've still got that. So I logged into Stan. <laughs> I'm like, I I don't watch anything on here because Yellowstone is now gone or they're not, you know, they're in pause. So I've got to log in and actually cancel that. And that's the thing, everyone, like we just got to always come up for air, look at what we're paying because these subscriptions hang off you like barnacles off a wharf. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about, John? Is that a thing? Yeah, sure. Actually, Google it. All right. Thanks for hanging out the community segment a week. Thanks to skywealth.com.au forward slash MMM. Get your insurance and get it for now. Radio, this is a very, very big one. I've just found out from my boss that I've been overpaid. Rather than my salary sacrifice to super being taken out of my pay, the company has been paying it in addition to my wage. They've consequently overpaid me a significant amount of money over the last two years. I'm about to go on maternity leave and I'm so financially stressed with the last year of mortgage interest rate increases. My boss said he doesn't want to cause further distress by asking me to pay the money back when I'm about to lose my income, but has proposed I amend my previous year's tax return to what I should have been paid, which will result in a refund. Seems uncomplicatedly messy that. And then I would give the refund back to my company. What? 
I've spoken to my accountant and union member, but keen to get the group's thoughts on how they navigated similar experiences. Well, in true GJ research style for the episode, I actually asked the anonymous member, I said, can you give me a, a ballpark? Are we talking about $15 a week or you know $500 a week? Now, effectively, I was salary sacrificing 682 per fortnight, this amount plus the 10.5 equals the concessional contribution cap. They've overpaid, and this is the TLDR, over the last two years, they've overpaid me $32,000. There is a lot going on in this thread on the Facebook group. We do not take advice from Facebook groups or two dickheads on a podcast. (laughs) All right, number one. What I would say if anyone is in this situation you need to first have a look at fairwork.gov.au and you can just search fair work overpayments. And I'm just going to read this little paragraph here. Overpayments can happen when an employer mistakenly believes an employee is entitled to the pay because of a payroll error. Employers can't take money out of an employee's pay to fix up a mistake or overpayment. So what that means, they can't just say, oh, we've paid you an extra $500 a week for the last three months. For the next three months, we're paying you $500 less, okay? Instead, the employer and employee should discuss and agree on a repayment arrangement. If the employee employee agrees to repay the money, a written agreement has to be made and has to set out the reason for the overpayment, the amount of money overpaid, the way repayments will be made. For example, cash, check, electronic transfer, and how often, and it has to be reasonable. If the repayment can't be agreed on, an employer should get legal advice. Example, how to pay back an overpayment. Tony was overpaid $2,000 over three years because of a payroll error. His award does not allow a deduction to be made when an employee is overpaid. Tony and his employer, Alice, meet to discuss the overpayment. Tony agrees to repay the money and they come up with a solution. Alice says Tony can choose how to pay the money back and the amount and frequency of payments. Tony tells Alice that he'd prefer if $20 was deducted from his pay each week until the $2,000 is repaid. This arrangement is put in writing and both sign. This repayment is reasonable because Tony had a choice about how the money was paid back and the amount and frequency of each payment. A deduction can be made back to an overpayment if it's allowed under a registered agreement and the employee agrees to it award, legislation, or a court or fair work commission order. Right. We are not legal experts, but I think the exacerbating factor in this case is the questioner is about to take maternity leave and has woken up to this fact that I owe $32,000. So what do you read about this whole situation face value? Because I've certainly got a view, but I'd like to hear your opinion first. Yeah, it's um, it's a stressful time, no doubt. I'd be interested to hear what the outcome was after talking to the accountant and the union member. Um, but it sounds as though the employer is is reasonable in this situation. They've made an error, and they they want to make sure that this person's not going to be left out on the streets through the through through maternity. So I think they can make it work, and and it's just making sure that it's fair for both parties. The money obviously needs to be repaid, but they both understand this person's taking a pay cut through maternity, so that needs to be factored into that deal. It might be a a two-year, three-year, four-year story that uh, that there's payment made back. What do you think? Yeah, number one, 
immediately what I'm doing is once you call the Fair Work Ombudsman, look at the website, be directed by them and your union and or your own legal advice. I 100% need to be clear. I'm not going to comment on all the crap in the Facebook group about asking the super to be clawed back and tax. I think that's just after the fact. So please. Number one, what I'm doing in the first instance is just kicking the can down the road 100%. So going to the employer, hi, can we in good faith, I plan to come back from maternity leave. I plan to stay with this employer, stay with you for the long term. Can you pay me as normal, my leave payment and all that stuff? When we get back, we can discuss a repayment plan in six months, nine months or a year. That's what I'll do, number one. Just try and kick it down the road only because of the maternity leave. So that's that's the employee uh, Asking decision. to kick it down the road. Yep. Because so in- she makes note that the employer is aware about, you know, maternity leave and feels terrible and all that stuff. So do you think that the employer has the ability to agree to that? Um, like uh, legally, would they? Yeah, I think so. Again, I'm, I'm not a lawyer. I will say that. But I think so because all I can do if it was one of my staff members and I'd overpaid them and they're about to go on maternity leave, I'd be like, all right, just go have your maternity leave. I'm happy to yeah. take that risk and, you know. And the same thing, like I've had team members, current and past that, oh, I want to go on holidays, no holidays. I'm happy to take the view and I've only got a small team to go, yeah, you can go into holiday deficit. Like if you just ever leave, you owe me money because that's effectively a prepayment. But yeah, I'm yeah trying to just kick the can down the road, not stressing about it and saying, look, I totally want to resolve this. And when you are talking, and maybe I'll move this away from the questioner, but maybe in these type of situations, you don't want to like legally speaking, commit to anything in writing or verbally until you've got your own advice, perhaps. Totally. But you could say something like, hi, I'm just about to do this maternity leave stuff. I totally want to resolve this. You can say the word resolve because yeah. that could mean anything. That could mean then forgive it. <laughs> or yeah. you, you know, totally want to resolve this. I love working here. I've been here eight years. Or I've been here at least two years. Um, and I've got no issues with coming back and resolving this. So just kick the can down the road. Yeah. Now, I want to get Nathan to play the sound that we used to use in the season one of My Millennial Money. And that sound is... Moved on from the questioner. And I'm going to stand up because I'm going to have my preachy soapbox moment. Just for reference, before he goes into this, every time I stand up, he always has to stand up as well. Yeah, but (laughs) you're bloody just sitting down now. All right, I'm standing up. If you say to your employer, hi, employer, could you please salary sacrifice $200 a week into superannuation? Yes, I can. Okay, they do that. It is your responsibility to double check it gets done. Simple as that. This is on the employee because you can't be asleep at the wheel with your money for this long. And I'm not talking about that other person. There's Grace there. She's going on a maternity leave. But going forward, anyone else, if someone said to me in my team, Glenn, can you salary sacrifice $200 a week or a fortnight or whatever that is, make sure it's landing in your super fund. 
make sure in a couple of weeks time, if I haven't noticed my net take home decrease, there's a friggin' problem, something that hasn't been actioned or they're still paying the wrong amount. Like this should not have gone on for two years. Were they thinking, oh, I'm getting paid extra. I won't tell them. Yeah. And- I don't know. Like, and this is, I, I, I honestly, I, I know it sounds like I'm angry at the question. I'm not. It sucks. But going forward, if this happens to anyone else in the future, in our community, it is on you. Because I've been overpaid once before. I didn't know it, but they told me. They got the tax thing mixed up. I was like 25 years old. I'm like, yeah, not paying it back. They're like, no, well, you are. I'm like, I, damn it. I signed a contract to say. So oh, yeah. I just think it's on, like if we do anything, even if we, if we elect, and this could be another thing as well, guys, like if you want to, now that the law has changed, if you want to put $200 a fortnight in your superannuation, push it from your bank account and claim it on tax at the end of the year. You'll at least get a tax refund. Mm. So, and but sorry, John, I haven't finished my rant. <laughs> no, I can tell. I, I can't see your head, so I don't know what you're talking Oh, sorry. No, I mean, <laughs> like if you decided I'm going to put $100 a week in my super account from my bank account, transfer it over the next week, log into your bloody super account and make sure it appears. Yeah. And life logistics, sometimes that goes amiss and doesn't happen, right? Mm. But technically, there should be an extra 30-odd grand in the bank account. Well, obviously, John, we're not talking about the questioner anymore because I'm angry. Okay. Um, So, we've gone away from the questioner. (laughs) But if we've been paid extra, it should be sitting there in an ideal world if we've got our cash flow management in place. I just think you would notice it. You should. I I just honestly... I'm with everyone else out there who's been through this. I probably wouldn't notice it either, (laughs) to be honest. Like, Well, if you said, can you South Sack $200 a week or $100 a week? And they're like, yeah, Johnny boy, we've done that. Next minute, next week's pay, it's the exact same amount as last fortnight. No, that shouldn't be the case because I'm sacrificing. The net should change unless I'm missing something. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, no, change my tune. You should bloody know. It's hopeless. (laughs) (laughs) Attaboy. (laughs) No. Yeah. Look, we're only human here, Glenn. Yeah. And I'm a really asshole of a human apparently. But um, (laughs) look, I, I love that in these situations, the questioner has put their, and we'll go back to the questioner or whatever, has put you their never future. Really left. <laughs> I never left. What can I say? I never left. I'm sorry. I love you. In fact, I'm going to email you, um, questioner, and I'm going to send you a copy of the My Money Journal as a gift. Now, that's nice. If you're wondering what the My Money Journal is, <laughs> it is our. I've moved on to a sales thing because I forgot to mention it after the break because we did everything in the wrong order. It is our journal. You may have heard an ad if you've listened to this podcast as it comes up. We did a run a a couple of years ago, all the journals sold. It's a printable thing. It's not just a a budgeting journal. It's a life journal. You get to process your thoughts, your dreams, your goals, your fears. You find clarity for the season of life that you're in. You can make clear progress. You can head to mymillennial.money to order your copy now. Mymillennial.money to order your copy now. I think it's under 50 bucks delivered and it'll just help you get things out of your head. The other housekeeping that we haven't mentioned was tonight, Tuesday, the 16th of May at 7 p.m., buy your home sooner with government grants. We did a webinar the other month with Rachel Kroon and the team at Sphere Home Loans. 
she's going to get down and dirty with all the federal and state-based grants and schemes that are available. Are you on that with her, John? Yes, Yep. I'm going so, to put some practicality into it, and and after she's discussed them all, we'll uh, we'll go into real life stuff. Yeah. So that webinar is tonight, everyone. Link in the show notes. State grants, first home buyer assistance, first home guarantee, first home guarantee, first home buyer choice. And if you regional first home home buyer, and if you're listening and it's already happened, then mm. there'll be a recording, won't there? Yeah, we might retrospectively update the link of this and put the YouTube in there. Mm. That's just another thing that Rach and the team would just love to do. Yeah. But honestly, back to the question, I will send you a journal just because I feel kind of half bad that I've gone on this rant. But I love how you've looked at your future. You've done half the job, but you haven't done the other half to make sure it got uh, implemented because I don't know. But yeah, get your own legal advice. Um, yeah, she's taken the right steps. I've pissed off a lawyer as well in the Facebook group, John. Oh, yes, I did. <laughs> I don't see much stuff in there, but I saw I'm that. sorry, Kelsey. Love your work. But I had a laugh. Also, yeah. um, Dan J said, Glenn James, don't forget to credit everyone in the thread for their two cents. Yeah, well done. But, yeah, we'll, we'll leave that one there. Friggin' wild, hey? Yeah, can't please uh, And uh, to be honest... I don't even personally know the actual practical mechanics of clawing back super overpayments after a financial year in particular. And I certainly don't want to dick around with amending tax returns and and doing all that stuff. Um, It's also on the company, like far out. I reckon if it was me and I overpaid my employee 15 grand a year, (laughs) like I'd just be like, Look, this is just as much as my error as it is yours. Yeah, totally. Why don't you pay me back half at somehow in the future? I don't know. Yeah, both parties at fault. Let's wrap it up with this last comment here. Neil Alexander in the Facebook group. Oh, Neil. First, first time he's been in. Never he's a heard top, of him. He's a top contributor. He's the. He used to be the Lego man, but he's changed his profile photo. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Which, uh, which live show was Brisbane. he at? Brisbane, Brisbane. Yeah. yeah, he's a brizzy boy. He said, I thought the AUD inflation was painful, but I've been saving Qantas frequent flyer points for years and just reached 700,000. Whoop, whoop. He goes, I thought 100,000 points would get me a return flight to Los Angeles, but it's 250,000 points now. Wow. Over a million frequent flyer points to take my family. Yikes. Now this, my friends, I talked about it on the My Millennial Daily podcast. As a, Still do that. Yeah. Good chunks of gold in there. Yeah. But um, the biggest trap Neil has done with Qantas as he's gone points plus pay. You can't go points plus pay. You've got to tick the button, classic flight reward seats. Neil, you will be able to get return to LA economy for probably 80,000 points if you use the classic flight reward seats. Now- there's not always classic flight reward seats available. Right. When I went to America, John, last month, you know, how I booked on the Sunday and pissed off on the Tuesday, mm. it's because I logged in on the Sunday and there was classic flight reward seats available for that Tuesday return to LA. And that's when I got return 360,000 points first wow. class with American Airlines. Amazing. Yeah, it was $300 in taxes, but that's... You know, I'd never, ever pay for first class. It's ridiculous and I don't think it's worth the money. 
but yeah, sure. I had all these points. I didn't know what to do with them. So yeah, got to put them. But somewhere. yeah, Neil, classic flight rewards. That's what you got to search. Come on, Not Neil. Points plus pay. Get better, Neil. Neil. <laughs> you're better than that, mate. <laughs> You, you've let us down and you haven't, you know, you've not only disappointed your family, mate, but yourself right now. So, But what know. a contributor over the journey. He, he's loyal. He is. <laughs> if I can say anything about Neil, it's he's loyal. <laughs> he's loyal. Absolutely. Um, are there any other little questions? Oh, I just want to finish on this one. Have you got time? Uh, you've got a 3.30 or 10 minutes. All right. Beck said, what would you do to consumer debt or not? The answer is no. Thanks for listening today. I'm Glenn James. This is John Pigeon. I have a mortgage, no hex help debt, no consumer debt yet, and an income of just over 100K a year. I also have a very small, not big enough by MMED standards, emergency fund. So, you know, we say three months worth of expenses, which could be 10 grand for a lot of people. There's no redraw available on my mortgage currently. I'm on a single income. I really want to buy a van, convert it into a camper so I can GTFO out of the city on weekends with my dogs. I've been daydreaming of this for months, frequently spending weeks at a time researching. I would keep it as a second vehicle with my current car as a runaround. I don't know why I'm talking like a <laughs> loser. <laughs> it was just like, I really want to buy a van, guys. Cannot put this on my mortgage as it would put me back over 80% LVR and trigger LMI. Cannot take out car loans as converted campers within my budget are too old. So here we go. Here's the TLDR, too long, didn't read. Is 20K on a camper, probably on a personal loan, a bad thing in this economy? I just need an adultier adult to tell me if there's something or things that I'm missing. Sure, there's no one listening by now. No, that's why I'm being an absolute dickhead because, you know, no one listens this deep. Is 20K on a camper, probably a personal loan, a bad plan in this economy? Delete the word in this economy. Yeah. The answer is no, it's not a good thing. The answer is yes, a bad plan. I don't care. And I honestly, Beck, love your work. I'll also send you a My Money Journal. My money journal to Beck. Beck, as I tell my kids, yes, you can, not. <laughs> Here's the thing, Beck. I know you want this. You're probably going to do it anyway. You've put a whole heap of stuff in the group. <laughs> it's emotionally loaded. You're nine tenths of the way there justifying that it's okay in your mind. But for me in my life and a lot of our listeners' life, and before that, number one, you've done so well. You've got a mortgage. You've got a good income. You've got no consumer debt. Let's keep it that way. Let's absolutely keep it that way. We do not, and this is what I do in my life, there just has to be such a binary yes or no. Do we use personal loans to consume stuff? The answer is no. Do we use a personal loan for a freaking toy that we use on the weekends only and every other weekend? The answer, John, is? Yes. No. You can't. Yes, exactly. <laughs> no, 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 no. And if I wasn't clear, no. Good habits, people. Good habits. You just have to go right to the top of that cliff. In the life of Beck, do I use personal loans for hobbies, 
for fun, for all that? The answer is no. And you Do feel- I use a personal loan to buy this camper if I put it on Camperfy or whatever it's called and generate income from it? The answer is still no. We do not borrow money on personal loans for little businesses, for little fun, for little anything. And that that camper is so much more rewarding when you've paid, uh, when you've saved up for it. You'll enjoy it much more, Beck. Totally. Love your work, Beck. I'm going to send Beck a journal, My Millennial Journal. You can get them, mymillennial.money. There's a little shop button there or whatever. I'll send the anonymous one about the overpayment, a journal, and... Yeah, this is this is good times. We've gone a bit longer today. Right, uh, good chat. Hour nine. Mm. There was another question that I didn't get to. That save it for next time. Yeah, we'll save it for next time. All right, friends. Thanks for listening. You're being real. I've been Glenn, and you are John. All right. Bye. <laughs>We acknowledge the Awabakal people, traditional custodians of the land on which our studio sits, and pay respects to their elders past, present and emerging. We extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples who may listen to our podcast. My Millennial Money supports a variety of charities, and we encourage you to consider giving as part of your overall financial strategy. If you would like some giving options, or if you're unsure about which charity you can support, head to mymillennial.money forward slash charities for more info. This podcast is for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general financial advice only, which does not take into account your objectives, financial situation, or needs. Because of that, you should consider if the advice is appropriate to you and your needs before acting on the information. If you do choose to buy a financial product, read the product disclosure statement, target market determination, and obtain appropriate financial advice tailored to your needs. Simo Interactive Proprietary Limited, the publisher of the podcast, and Glenn James are authorized representatives of Money Sherpa Proprietary Limited, which holds financial services license 451289. Small details are big surfaces, tight corners are odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rustolium. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 